Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hey, Sean Bice, how are you today? This is Paul Carruthers, and this is Moto America's weekly podcast, Off Track with Paul Carruthers and Sean Bice. I just said hello to Sean a little prematurely there, but I think I got excited to, I got to think I got excited to talk to you, Sean. It's, this is our 152nd episode of Moto America's uh, weekly podcast. I can't believe it's 152. And for some reason, this one, well, I kind of, I kind of, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but it makes perfect sense now. I've been wanting to just have a chat with, uh, with you and me and no guests, we've had some killer guests of late in, yeah. in, and it's just been amazing, but I thought, okay, let's just catch up on what, what's been going on in the season and this and that. And um, man, what a season it was. It, it came to a conclusion last week at Barber Motorsports Park and it kind of ended in a flurry there. Cause we had two races in a row, New Jersey Motorsports Park, and then, and then down to, uh, to Alabama, and man, I don't know about you, but I'm still feeling it. It's uh, I can't imagine the riders and the crews and the teams and a lot of those poor people are driving back or have driven back. And it's just uh, it was a pretty grueling couple of weeks, but it, I thought it was a good way to finish the season with a bang like that. Yeah, it was amazing to have in the two weeks in a row. I mean, I always say, I don't know how NASCAR does that when they race every weekend, but you know, it's, it's, it's a different thing for them. And I, you know, we, we pack so much into our weekends with so many races that we have that it, it's incredible when it's back to back like that. And I, I'm not going to mind the fact that next year our schedule, I think we don't have any back to backs and we at least have a week off in between them. But, you know, it's one of those things, Paul, I, I have this happened in life. Um, you have these moments where you think about, you know, I'm going to look back at this or whatever. And in the moment you try to, you try to really sort of latch on and cherish what's going on. And it's, it's impossible to stop time. You just can't, I mean, during that weekend, there was so much stuff going on that I wanted to sit and ponder the gravity of everything that happened with on the track and, you know, the season wrapping up and Gagne getting his records and all that. And you just, you still can't stop it. And to just go, wow, think back to that. Well, we can do it now, but when you're in the moment, it's like it, it's hard. You'd like to cherish it more than you, you do in the moment. And you just can't, we go from, we go from one press conference to the other one race to the other. And it's just a nonstop thing from the beginning of the weekend to the end. So I guess that's what makes it exciting though. Yeah. It's really, I mean, you know, as well as I do, when we get started on those weekends, it's just, it just flies by the Friday. Friday's kind of chill a little bit, but then man, Saturday and Sunday, it's just, you know, from the time we get there till the time we leave on uh, in the evenings and uh, you know, everybody's busy. The video guys are busy and we're busy. And before you know it, it's like, we're trying to catch some dinner at, you know, nine o'clock or whatever, but right. the, you know, I think about this too. In addition to those last two races, we had the announcement about doing the Daytona 200. We had uh, the announcement of the new schedule. There was just so much cool stuff going on and it just happened to, uh, to feel like it was it was all at the same time and now you're right it seems like a blur but it's kind of nice now to sit back and and actually look at it a little bit I was I was going through the new cycle news and that always kind of reminds me of uh <clears throat> of how the weekend went so 
I was looking at that and, and going through that. And it's, yeah, just, it, it just makes you recall all the good stuff, but man, there just so much happens during those weekends. Yeah. And you know, when we're at the banquet, you know, we say this. At That's the, the other thing. I almost forgot the banquet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we begin the season and it's like, you know, it's like, we're all kind of getting back to school and we're like, you know, haven't seen everybody in a while. And it's that feeling of, you know, going around and saying hello again. And it's the same thing at the end of the year, that banquet is like the last day of school. And it's so poignant. Cause you know, um, even with, even with our group, I mean, we stay in touch, you know, I'm in Ohio, you're in California. We stay in touch all day long through Slack and however we communicate, um, like we're right next to each other, but it's still not the same of, actually being right there and certainly the riders and the teams you know some of them we end up not talking to them for quite a while so it's it's kind of uh it's it's definitely a poignant moment you're celebrating the whole thing but at the same time you're kind of sad that it's like geez you know it's going to take a little while before we get back into it although before we know it we'll be doing this again with especially daytona as you said being announced and you know we're going back there and what march is when we start that that won't be long no it'll come up pretty quick but you're right it's like we have the first day of school and then we have the school year and then, and then we have like the graduation, except, you know, most of us don't graduate. We come back to the same school, but you know, we, if you think, if you think about it, I mean, basically nine race weekends and 10, if you count the test at, at uh, CODA, which was just how we started the year. I mean, yep. we basically, we basically all spend, you know, 50 days together. I mean, that's that's you know 40 some days together when you went all included you know from from Wednesdays to to Sundays and Mondays and I mean all those days add up and we end up you know there's that it's kind of a tight group that paddock and we see we see a lot of each other so it's it's yeah. kind of odd when it ends yeah hey so let, let's get into talking about this season I'm a little bit fired up about something today and it's something I want to talk about we've seen some comments during the year from uh fans at times and I want to address this right off the bat, the fact that some of fans have said that, you know, this year has been boring or, you know, this situation with Jake Gagne winning everything. And it, it honestly boggles my mind that people say that. I mean, I get the fact that he won all the races or won most of the races, um, except for three of them with uh, two for Matthew Skoltz and one for Cam Peterson. But, you know, it f makes me feel like when people say that they're not really watching what our racing is all about. And this runs counter to Paul, you and I are both big football fans. And we both remember that Herm Edwards speech when he was with the jets. Hello, you play to win the game. And I understand the teams and the riders race to win the race. But when you're a spectator, there's so many other things going on. I mean, all the battles back in the field, I don't want to tell people to forget about, you know, who's leading or who's up, up front like Jake Gagne. I don't want people to do that. But at the same time, it's like you can look at what the battle for third or fourth in any of our races and the passing that goes on. And it's it, and it's always, always exciting to watch. And I, I just never understand when somebody says our racing is boring just because one guy is winning all the races by by a large margin um and and it gets me gets me kind of cranky sometimes i can tell man you're fired up yeah yeah i don't know i mean i understand what they're saying but you know what i mean at the same time it's like racing has got a lot of of elements to it that are beyond just that guy at the front right yeah it does and and also i think i think you know when you really get into the sport and maybe not from maybe not from so much from a casual fan, but I think a diehard fan, I think you have to sit back 
and really appreciate the guy that is having the dominating season. As much as you'd like close races for the win every time, I think you do have to take a look at somebody like Jake Gagne and just kind of be in awe a little bit, you know, like what he did was just so special that I think you have to also embrace that. And that sort of makes the rest of it a little more trivial as far as all the races weren't close. He won every race, but just watching the guy ride, watching him on the motorcycle, watching the way the team works. It just, to me, it just, it's, it was like the ultimate professionalism on all levels from the rider to the lowest guy on the team, whoever that may be. I think they just really had their act together. And I think, you have to take pleasure in watching that in addition to, you know, everything else that goes on that makes you feel like it's not a very good season because it was an outstanding season because I could watch that guy ride around by himself all day and it would be enjoyable for me because he's really on top of his game. And I think that's something that doesn't come along every year. And when it does, you sort of have to embrace it. Yeah. And you know, you're right. I mean, I, I, I was, I kind of misspoke a little bit. I don't mean for people not to pay attention to Jake because you'll see the excitement because you're right in and of itself just seeing Jake go around and, and even, you know, even what he did on the weekend, I mean, to come back and, and win that final race of the year and, and cap off his season by breaking a record, you know, it was an incredible year. And we all, well, I shouldn't say all, but most of us said most level playing field, you know, in Superbike history, we don't know who's going to win. And we weren't just hyping that we, we really weren't sure. We didn't know. I mean, we looked at what Jake did last year and he was good, but he was, you know, second to Cameron and, you know, a lot of times Matthew was second and, and even Matthew, Skoltz felt like, you know, well, if not for, if not for Cameron Bobier, well, then it ends up being, if not for Jake Gagne. And, and uh, it's, it's just interesting. You don't know how it's going to go. And they absolutely put it together from top to bottom with that team, you know, with John Cornwell, I was la- joking with um, Lance Oliver, who's rights for Revzilla that John Cornwell has the absolute um, highest per- winning percentage of any crew chief in history probably because I mean, he came in as a crew chief and <laughs> it's kind of funny um of all people I mean the guy a guy that we've known for so long and you know didn't didn't doubt that he could maybe do this kind of thing but it was kind of a surprise in the beginning to see a, a suspension guy and former racer to just you know move right into that role and do what he did with with Jake so you know absolutely an amazing season for those guys and it, it, that in itself was incredible to watch and, and not boring in any way yeah, I was taught. I had the same conversation on Saturday or Sunday at Barber with Jason Pridmore, who does our color commentary for our TV shows. And he was the same as me. He's like, he didn't see this coming. I, you know, I thought going into this season, I thought Jake would win a couple of races. I thought Matthew would, Baz would, you know, Cameron Peterson, Bobby Fong. I just saw a bunch of guys winning a couple of races. And I thought the championship would come down to the guy who screwed up the least. And, you know, Jason said the same thing. I mean, but honestly, the the only guy I talked to during the offseason that saw this coming was Cameron Bobier. Now he obviously was in he was obviously in that team, and he you know he, he was in the truck every week with with Jake, and he saw Jake, and he probably saw some things with Jake that maybe the rest of us didn't see. But when I talked to him before he took off for the, his Moto Two season, you know he told me I asked him I said what do you think is going to happen? He said oh I think Jake's going to you know have a really good year and beat these guys. And I was like, wow. So there was, there was Cameron. I mean, it just goes to show that the guys on the inside will always know more than, than the rest of us, but uh, yeah, amazing season. And the races in the rain, 
I mean, rain racers are races are so unpredictable. And, and our first race there on Saturday was, you know, summed that up perfectly. I mean, it's 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 definitely a case of never give up because Cameron Peterson crashed, obviously didn't give up. You know, Matthew Skultz had a huge lead and he just kept racing and racing. Then next thing you know, Matthew Skultz crashes and, and Cameron Peterson gets that first win. But without the rain, I mean, that would have been probably a, a completely different race. But boy, it was sure was exciting because you just really didn't know what was going to happen. No, nobody was safe out there as far as not falling down. And uh, it was very cool to watch. And I think the fans really liked it. We've gotten great comments and every one of our videos that we had from that weekend has just gone crazy. I was watching videos this morning and I've seen the things a hundred times. And I still get stuck watching them. So yeah, you know, it's pretty cool. One thing I, I as one thing I want to have you address, Paul, but before I get into it, I, I you know, a little bit, I want to, I want to talk about d- during the weekend, a couple of times, I think I even said this to you is, you know, you think about a rainy weekend and, you know, you obviously don't want that to happen. I mean, we've been that first year, 2015, it seemed like it rained every round we have. Well, we've had years where we've had perfect weather at pretty much every round and we get down to this last one and, uh, you know, all that rain that's coming in and you think it's not going to happen. And I kept saying, you know, feeling bad for the fans, feeling bad for the riders, feeling bad for myself. And then we started racing and it was like, no, this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, this, this rain is incredible what it's doing. It's, it's equalizing a lot of things, but plus it, this thing about you said about never give up was just fantastic. So leading into that, I want you to talk about something that I know you discussed with Wayne, because we had a few people that commented, well, why didn't they stop the race? And, you know, one of the things about, about Moto America is we only race at tracks that we can safely race on in the rain. And there were a lot of crashes there were a couple of injuries and crashes, but for the most part, the riders that went down, I mean, it changed the complexion of the race, but talk about like what you found out from talking to Wayne about that. For instance, one of that, I guess it was the superbike race that the one where Matthew and Cameron went down and, you know, there was so much standing water. Talk, talk about that a little bit from our point of view. Well, I think, you know, there's only a couple of things they can do. Like in race control, they're obviously watching every corner, every lap. They're watching, they're taking in as much information as they possibly can. But some of the information they can take in as well as just by comparing lap times. Um, and I think, you know, there was, there were, before Jake Gagne crashed out of the lead, he was doing, I, I couldn't tell you the lap, I quote the lap times off the top of my head. But say he was doing, you know, 138s, 150s, whatever you want to say. When after the, you know, the rain got harder and then it kind of let up, but his lap times, his lap times stayed, they slowed down a little bit, but, but by the, by the end of the race, there were some people would have, you know, quote unquote called the race or whatever, his lap times had improved again to the point where they were before the, the deluge. So the, the thing with that track that we're fortunate is it obviously it's, it, it's, it's new enough that it was built to drain really well. So there was really only a couple of sections of the track where it puddled up, where it was so much rain that the drains couldn't keep up, you know? And, and so a couple of times during practice or what have you, you know, we, we, we had to wait for, for those drains to catch up with the heavy storm. And, and also we're fortunate because Barber, I mean, obviously the facilities first class, but they also have first class equipment there. Like they had some equipment out there pushing water out 
um, that you we don't necessarily have at all the tracks we go to. But I think, you know, from Wayne's standpoint and race control standpoint, there's so much that they look at and the lap times were comparable so that there wasn't any reason to stop the race. I mean, you can't, what are you going to, if, if they're slowing down to the speeds where you can just tell they're just not safe and they want, you know, it's not going to work, then that's one thing. But if they're going just as fast, you're like, how, you have, why, how do we stop this? We don't. Yeah. And, you know, in the Twins Cup press conference, um, I talked to Caleb Carroll about something that made me think a lot, you know, so when you're, when you're out racing in the dryer, when you're road racing in general, obviously you can only go so fast in corners. You can only go so fast in certain sections, you know, limits to the tires, lean angle, any of that stuff. That's obvious. Well, of course that changes with conditions on the track when that changes. And an example is of course, with all this rain. And I remember in in the twins cup race, Caleb DeCarroll was in second place and he was kind of a little bit back in second. And he realized, and I asked him about this in the press conference, he realized based on the guy that was in front of him that he could go faster than he actually was. So he said, Hey, that guy's doing it. I'm going to do it. So he, he, you know, increased it, lowered his lap time, went quicker, found that he could, you know, still, still stay out on the bike, so to speak, past the guy in, who was leading and ended up winning that race by virtue of the fact that he had a gauge and he was like, okay, well, there's always a limit, but I haven't reached that limit in that rain. And, you know, obviously when you crash, you've gone over the limit. And I know in, a, in the case of the front runners in that superbike race, including obviously Matthew Skoltz, I think they all had a situation like this. They literally got into deep enough water where they hydroplaned or, you know, they lost the contact patch of the tire with the, with the surface was essentially gone at that point. And, you know, with Matthews, it was famous work for how he went down, down in like turn four and slid all the way, you know, down the hill into Charlotte's web and got back on the bike and, um, but you know, I know, I understand from the point of view of, well, why didn't you stop the race? Well, okay. Crashing isn't cool, but you know, look what he did. He got back on the bike and ended up finishing second and, and, you know, Cam Peterson who got back on the bike ended up getting his first win. So it's that thing about, you know, I, I got to kid Matthew a little bit about this because he was wanting the race to be stopped while he was leading. So it's like, but if you're not leading, um, maybe you don't want the race to be stopped because you still want to be in the front. That's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody wants what's best for them. Right. And he had a big lead and, and yeah, it would have been, it would have been really good for him if the race was stopped and he was in the lead, but what if they decided they stop it and then they wait a while and they regrid it? Suddenly he doesn't have a 15 second lead or whatever he has. He's got Cameron Peterson sitting right next to him again. So I I think it's it's difficult to say and it's difficult to 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 make judgment on those guys because they're the ones actually on the motorcycle. And I can imagine, you know, with hydroplaning and stuff that it that it's a bit sketchy. Um, but also they're, you know. They're not, they weren't exactly slowing down. I mean, they were, they were going hard and I know they're in a motorcycle race and that's what they get paid to do. And that's what they want to do in order to win. But it's, uh, it was, you know, I asked Wayne about the hydroplaning and, you know, being straight up and down in the bike spinning and, and stuff like it was in, in some of the, the puddles on the straightaways. And he told me, he said, Paul, he goes, I never rode a 500 in the rain when it wasn't hydroplaning. Right. So, I mean, this goes way back and it's just an issue of, you know, there's, there's a lot of water on the track and and the tires don't dissipate all the water. And that's what kind of happens, but it was, uh, it was good. We got through it all. And, you know, Matthew was upset 
after. But I think honestly, he was probably just mostly upset that he didn't win because he, he should have, you know, I mean, what happened to him happened to him and it could have happened to anybody, but it happened to him and, and he was upset and, and he had a victory there, you know, in his grasp and it, and it, and it went away and, you know, you get a little upset, but, you know, he came around real quick and I think what helped him, what helped him was the fact that, you know, his good, his good buddy, Cameron Peterson won the race, you know, so that the sting was a little bit less because he, it, it, you know, he wasn't, he's not the type that's going to carry on and, and may basically ruin the day for, for somebody who was trying to enjoy their first win so that it all, it, it all worked out really well. Yeah. And you know, I am, I am a little bit poking fun at Matthew with the idea that he was leading. So naturally he wants to stop the race, but I also want to mention for people that do understand this, it is incumbent upon the leader in a race to be the one that kind of judges things that we've seen this happen. Obviously when you're at the front and you're concerned about it being dangerous, you're the first one that wants to, you know, kind of control the situation. I'm joking about he's in the lead, but also it's, it's kind of a, uh, responsibility that that he had to do that so it wasn't just for himself but but um I don't know it, it was interesting and it just made for, for some incredible viral videos for us I mean it was it was fun you know to see the outcomes of some of that stuff I mean that one with um with Trevor Standish was crazy you know that that could have been a worse situation than it was how he slid um, right in front of the other bike there Hayden Schultz and Hayden you know avoided him and everything that's also gotten a lot of play but um, it was just a lot of crazy stuff happening. Hey, it's just like, you know, again, making a little bit of a football analogy now that we're in football season, you, you and I are fans. I mean, we love those those games that are in the rain or snow, you know, it just these conditions affect things in a different way. And it, it changes the performance of the, the players, just like, you know, in, in our races when it's wet like that. So it adds an element, which, you know, was very cool. So I went from lamenting the fact that it was raining to absolutely celebrating the whole thing. And in every one of our classes. Um, I, want to, I want to ask you about Loris Baz because we had, we really had a terrific season with him getting to know him. He's, he was so good. I mean, great to talk to. He would, he um, always had a good sense of humor despite what was going on with him. He had a very trying season. The team did with a lot of things going on. And even that last race weekend, he had had a crash where he, he ended up hurting him, hurting himself. And then Lo and behold, Paul, we find out that he's racing in World Superbike this re weekend, re you know, replacing Chaz Davies, who just announced his retirement. And I'm sure you saw the result this morning in first practice. He was, what, 11th and Garrett was 8th. So um, there's there's two of, quote, our guys. And I want to ask you, Paul, because I think you might have talked to him a little more intimately. He had a nice pack on that right arm or right wrist the entire weekend. And here he is in world superbike racing. I would assume he's still kind of hurt a little bit, isn't he? Yeah, I imagine so. But it's like, I don't, you know, he's a tough kid and all these guys are, it's like, they don't, they put racing the motorcycle ahead of anything. And he got an opportunity to go to world superbike. And yeah, he was probably at the end of our race weekend, like, oh man, cool. I get to rest this thing and heal up and, and have some time to to get back to normal and he got that call when Chaz retired or at, he got the call to, to ride the bike when Chaz was injured the retirement has come since then that's right and and these guys don't turn that opportunity down it's like when those doors open you got to step through them because you don't know if they're going to open again but he's uh he's a he's a good motorcycle racer he's he's very experienced um and as you can tell, I mean, he, he, he's fallen down a lot this year, but I think that's just because he's, 
I mean, he's maximum effort all the time. And I think he was adjusting to a new team. He was adjusting to a new country, new tracks, new tires. I mean, there was a lot going on for him and that team. And, you know, they, they, they look back on it probably a little bit disappointed because they expected more, they expected better results, but I mean, he, he didn't win a race, but he finished fourth in the championship. He had a lot of podiums. A lot of those were second place finishes to Jake Gagne. And, uh, yeah, I think that when they look back at it, they'll probably be happier with the season now than they were, you know, a week or two ago. But uh, yeah, he'll do well in World Superbike, and you know, I who knows, it'll be might be him and Garrett battling for for whatever <laughs> position that may be. And I I hope he, you know, as much you know, for I want him to get whatever's best for him. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'd like to have him back in our series next year because, as you alluded to. He's very professional and he was great to work with and he's a lot of fun and he calls a spade a spade. And, you know, I, he, he'd, he'd argue with me over whatever. And, and it was fun because, you know, he'd take it and he could dish it out. And it was, it was just a good time. And I thought he was a great addition to the series. I really did. Yeah. And, and one of the things a lot of writers should take note of what he his presence on social media, he absolutely gets it. He's present with that. He understands that's important to his brand and he engages with people and, and with us and, you know, he pays attention to what's going on out there. So I know a lot of our writers in the paddock do, but there are some that don't. So it's kind of a, a point there that like, you know, if you want to, you know, extend your brand, you need to be part of that dialogue that, that we have on social media. Um, about, about Loris too. I completely agree with you. I don't know what he's going to do next year. We, we don't have any information on that yet, but given the fact that he didn't know the tracks, I mean, obviously it was tough from that point of view. And I would love to see what he can do with another year after he, know, he understands the tracks and gets to know that bike a little bit better. It would be great if he raced another year with that team on that Ducati or, or any team, but I'd certainly like to see him be able to come back and, and do more because I mean, obviously it's, a, it's, it's huge to, to learn the tracks and our tracks are different in a lot of ways. I mean, they, they have their own, own idiosyncrasies. Any track does and, and in any form of racing, we see it with, with Cameron or, or Garrett or any of our riders, you know, Joe Roberts obviously started going better once he had an, a year under his belt or so in, in the world championships. So he's just terrific to have around. Um, I want to ask you, or wanna, I want to bring up something that kind of got lost in the weekend a little bit. I mean, there was so much going on, as you said, not only in Superbike, but, you know, Stock 1000 with Jake Lewis uh, clinching the Superbike Cup and everything. But there was, there was something that happened in the Stock 1000 race that was not widely known. It certainly wasn't mentioned much, but Stefano Mesa raced in Stock 1000 as a test aboard an RSV4 1100 Aprilia. And it's kind of the shape of things to come a little bit. They wanted to test it to see its competitiveness. I don't know if they had a great assessment of it with the conditions that were there. Stefano finished on the track seventh in the race, but he actually was disqualified, which was the plan. He was withdrawn from the race because they were only going to test the bike to see. Um, so, you know, he didn't, he didn't dominate. He didn't, he wasn't even in, on the podium with the bike. Not that he would have been because it was taken out of competition, but he was seventh and, you know, acquitted himself. Well, Stefano's an awesome rider. It's cool that, that he, you know, was chosen or, or volunteered to ride that bike for Robam engineering. And it's kind of like we were saying at the end of the year, you know, it's given us something to look forward to next year and to possibly see that bike in stock 1000 and or super bike would be really cool to have have another brand like that but 
But, you know, I just wanted to point that out because it's something, you know, nothing was really much said about it. And you have to even, I looked at the results today to see where I knew he finished seventh, but, you know, I realized, oh, he's at the bottom of the list because we knew he was going to be taken out of the equation. But, you know, what, what, what Aprilia has done in twins with that RS660 is fantastic. They won a championship this year in a bunch of races, but it would be really cool to have um, an Aprilia in our, our leader bike class, stock 1000 or super bike, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think it's, it, you, you nailed it on the head because I mean, the, the way the weekend went, I honestly didn't get the opportunity to pay much attention to the fact that, that was in the race. I knew that that Stefano was riding it, but beyond that, I was there was so many other things going on that it wasn't at the top of my list. But I mean, you can see what Aprilia did by coming into the Twins Cup. And I just think it's a great thing when we get new manufacturers involved and they're really excited about what we're doing. And I'm not saying anything bad about the manufacturers that we have, but but they that most of those have been in the series for a long time and, and, they, and their participation goes way back to to before Moto America. But it's it's nice to see somebody come in with, you know, the kind of enthusiasm of like, oh, man, we're here and we want to be here and this is really cool. And, you know, they're not so jaded like sometimes the rest of us get because we've been doing it for so long. So it's it kind of brings a little fresh attitude in. And I think you can see how well they did with the Twins Cup. And yeah, if they're excited about getting that thousand involved, you know, it's only going to be a good thing for us. And going back to Baz a little bit, I think, you know, those of us at Moto America can be proud when somebody like Baz with the amount of experience he has, the amount of different series he's raced in, the racetracks that he's raced at, when he can come in here and really like Moto America, really like what we're doing, enjoy the atmosphere in the paddock. He, he continually, you know, spoke of how highly he thought of the fans and the organization, uh, you know, it would be, it would be easy to come in here as a, as a Frenchman and think, oh man, these guys, the, the, the fans aren't going to accept me and what have you. And that's just simply not the case. I think our fans embraced him. And I think like you and I, I think they realize how good he is and how much fun he was to have in the series. And, I just think that's cool. And the Italian kid that came in for the last two races and, and raced Twins Cup for Aprilia, I mean, again, it's, it, it's really nice to hear from somebody that just comes into your business and raves about how good it is. And I think, you know, that, that really makes me feel good. And I know it probably makes everybody that works for Moto America feel good because it just shows that we've, we've done a good job and we've put the series where it needs to be. And it's continually gets better, but it's nice when somebody comes from series like MotoGP and World Superbike and still thinks our series ranks right up there with the rest of them. Yeah. And I mean, you think in the off the beginning of the year when we helped them make the announcement about Loris racing. And of course, a lot of fans are like, oh, my God, he's just going to clean up. You know, he's just going to kill everybody in Moto America. And and of course, we're not sure. We don't know. But, you know, it's kind of I'm not trying to downplay what Loris did this year, but I think he, he would be the first one to tell you the competition in Moto America is pretty stiff for a guy like that to come in and for regardless of him having to learn the tracks or whatever, you know, the, the, the new bike and all that, he still faced some stiff competition. I think it probably surprised him a little bit. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it did. And, and, and he will tell you is like, you know, he, he's, he's, impre- he's as impressed with Jake Gagne as the rest of us are. And yep. why wouldn't he be? I mean, he, he was out there with him. He, you know, he was with him at, 
you know, Laguna Seca, he finished within a second or right around a second in both races. He's raced with him. He's seen what he's capable of. And, uh, yeah, he, I'm, I guarantee he would tell you that the, the competition is as stiff here as it is anywhere else. We may not have, you know, we may not have 14 or 15 guys, you know, that can race uh, at or near the front, but right. our core, our core guys are, you know, top notch. Yeah. Hey, Paul, straight out question for you. What, what do you think Jake's going to do? Gagne? Yeah. Uh, I think he'll be back for more. Yeah. I think he's, you know, it's unfortunate. And it's like when we had him on the podcast last week, I'm like, God, don't you, don't you wish that you could take this season that you've had and move it to, you know, three or four years ago and who knows where he'd be now, but he's, he's one of those guys that, and I'm envious of it. He's really good about focusing and staying in the moment. He doesn't look too far ahead and he definitely doesn't look behind and he doesn't have a lot of what ifs. And he's enjoying what he's got, which he should, because he's put in a lot of effort and he's had a lot of seasons without great results uh, for various reasons. But this year he showed, you know, with the right package, the right crew, the right motorcycle that uh, just how good he is. So I, I, I hope he's back here and I think he will be. And I also think, I think those guys now going, if, if things remain the same, uh, I think his competition will know what to expect now. Whereas I think they kind of got blown away and they got caught on their back foot and yes. it wasn't a lot of recovering. I think, you know, even with the way the season ended in the rain and a couple other guys got a chance to win. I just think they start the season knowing what Jake Gagne is capable of. And I probably, in all off season, they're going to, you know, if I woke up and I was one of those guys every morning, I would be thinking of ways that I can beat Jake Gagne and I'm sure that's what they're going to do. So it might make things a little bit more interesting next year. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think he's probably going to stay with us too. And you're absolutely right. I think back to when, you know, he, when, when uh, Jake took over after, you know, Nikki's passing and raced at Laguna Seca and had that ride. I think I was kind of surprised with that too. Um, not that he didn't deserve it, but, you know, there were some other people there and, and that was a cool deal for him then. Um, and you're right. Now it's like what, what he's done this year he probably had that in him then too, but I think he's also improved a lot as a rider. He told us as much in our, in the podcast that this year to last year was a big change for him in terms of how he's been able to do his starts and handle the clutch and all that. So these guys never stop learning, I guess, no matter what. Um, another, another guy I want to talk, well, let's talk about super sport uh, for the reason, a couple of reasons. One of them is of course we, we knew something that we kind of suspected and weren't sure about that was announced over the weekend is that, you know, Sean Dylan Kelly, who won the super sport championship after his third year in the class, it, he, you know, he built up to that moment of winning that championship. And sure enough, he's our next graduate, so to speak, to go to moto two. And he's going to be of all things, Cameron Bobier's teammate. I think, um, it, you know, we don't know that for sure. We don't know what's going to become of Marcos Ramirez, but I, we think that's, that's the case. I hope I haven't said anything that something that I wasn't supposed to, I think that's what the plan no, is. That, no, that's the case because they've already announced that he's going to be teammates with Cameron and, okay. and Ramirez, Ramirez is gone. Uh, he will be racing that MV team in moto two. So oh, I no, didn't you know didn't. that. Okay. Thank you. I didn't know that. No problem. Right. 
Yeah. So, okay. So the two of them, so it's going to be American racing. It's going to be an all American team of riders and absolutely Sean Dillon Kelly has been prepping himself for this the whole time. And he, he made it happen. And, you know, we wish him all the luck in the world. And, you know, he's another one that's so well-spoken and such a great ambassador for our, our sport and the sport of motorcycle racing in general. And then we have Richie Escalante who uh, did not defend, unfortunately did not defend his 2020 super sport championship, had a tough year where he was battling all the time, didn't win, you know, nearly the number of races that Sean did, obviously started the year with a broken collarbone in the preseason, ended the year with a broken collarbone at, uh, Barber Motorsports Park, the same collarbone he broke before. And we thought last year he was going to possibly race in Superbike. We don't really know, unless you do, but do you think he's going to race Superbike this year? What, what might happen? I don't know. I sure hope. I, yeah. I would love to see him have the opportunity to keep moving forward. And, you know, I think they, those two elevated each other to the point where, you know, I, and Sean Dylan Kelly will tell you that he will thank, he, he, he thanks Richie Escalante and he knows how fortunate he was to have Richie Escalante because it continued to push him and they're both, they're riding elevated to, to new levels where, you know, Sean Dylan's got this opportunity to go to Moto2 at a very young age. And I would like to see Richie Escalante rewarded in addition to Sean Dillon because they they both, I mean, you I, I've never seen the super sport racing has just been incredible. And those two push each other, push each other and and they they handle it with such class. And that's what I told Richie after he, you know, lost the championship. It's like he, I, I walk with him a lot of times from, from wherever the podium is to the press conference because, you know, I'm herding cats and getting those guys to, to get up there. Right. And, and there's times when you can just see that he's burning inside because he lost by, you know, two inches or whatever. But, you know, by the time he gets to the press conference, he's, he's a gentleman, he's classy, he has so much respect for SDK and, and vice versa that it just, it, it was, it's been a really good rivalry and I'd like to see them both rewarded for their efforts because they're both really, really good motorcycle racers. And I think you could put Richie Escalante on a superbike now. And I think he would run, you know, it's going to take him a little bit of time, but he's eventually going to run near the front. Yeah. And you know, this, this is a great example, Paul, of this, you know, superbike is boring. Well, super sport certainly wasn't boring. We know that we saw Sean and, and Richie going at it all year, but Sean Dillon Kelly won 12 races on the season. I mean, it's like, you look at that on paper and you're like, oh, there's a boring season because that guy won all of them. Well, exactly. no. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah, I mean, I, ha I, haven't, I haven't done it yet, but at some point I'll add up the margin of victories and, uh, and see what it is. But it, there, was, there, was, uh, there was so many races where there was hardly anything in it. Yeah, it was crazy. And I mean, they had that, you know, they came together at Road America and, and, and crashed, which, you know, led, led to Stefano Mesa winning that race. And how cool was it that this 17-year-old rider, Gabriel De Silva, wins the final race of the season, you know, out of seemingly nowhere. I mean, he's pretty early days in our, in our series. And, and uh, you know, he's somebody I'm anxious to see what happens with him next year. Obviously, the rain 
plays a part, but that's going to give him some confidence going into hopefully he's going to be in super sport with us again next year. And, you know, we'll see, it's kind of the, the passing of the torch a little bit. You got Benjamin Smith, you know, hopefully Stefano's going to be back and, you know, Sam Lockoff stepped up this year, big time. I mean, I think a huge credit has to go to PJ Jacobson for not racing, but coaching, um, Sam and PJ ought to be racing with us and hope I hope he does next year, but he certainly did a lot to, to help Sam Lockoff as well as, you know, obviously being that team and being a teammate to Sean Dylan Kelly, Sam really elevated himself to the point where he's got to be an odds on favorite next year. If he continues, which, which I hope he does. Yeah. I think next year is, you know, it's going it, to, especially if, if Richie also gets the, the opportunity to move on or move up in class, which I, I, I would, I would highly, I would think that he would, but it, it just gives they, the, the rest of those kids would go into a season of, you know, everybody's got the same hope and, you know, we can't forget Rocco Landers either. I mean, I'm sure he's right. stinging a little bit that Sam Lockoff won a race before him, but that will motivate him to, uh, I'll never, I'll never forget when, you know, Wayne and Wayne Rainey and Kevin Schwantz went to Europe at the same time. And Wayne will tell you that like when Kevin won that Suzuka race, uh, the Japanese Grand Prix and Wayne hadn't won a race yet, you know, that, that really burned inside of him to, you know, and not that the guy could ever work harder, but just a maximum effort to make sure that didn't happen and that he started winning races as well. And he did, but I, I guarantee, you know, I guarantee Rocco's a little bit miffed about Sam Lockoff winning a race before him because, you know, Rocco had his way in junior cup and, and those guys rarely beat him and Sam never did so it was a bit of a surprise but sometimes it just happens that way some some guys move up and they're more comfortable on the motorcycle and they get into a groove and get some confidence and this is what happens so yeah and super sport next year should be really exciting with a with a bunch of new people that have some hope of of winning races and the and obviously the championship yeah and Paul thank you for mentioning Rocco my gosh I I left him out of the equation it's like I, I don't know how I could even do that. He had a, had a great year. It wasn't as meteoric as it had been in Junior Cup and Twins Cup, but he, you know, as he does, he figures this stuff out, and you know, he's going to absolutely be a factor this year. You're absolutely right that that Sam Lockoff uh, Rocco Landers battle could be really good next year. Um, let let's uh, let's talk about uh, Junior Cup for a minute. What's with this kid, Tyler Scott? I mean. <laughs> what's the deal with him talk about him if you would well I think he's good I mean I think he's real good he's, he's gonna get an opportunity to he was supposed to test the m4 uh x-star suzuki on Monday at Barber um, yep. after our event but the the weather kind of messed that up so they put that on hold but he's still gonna get the opportunity to test he told me after the race uh the, his last race on Sunday that he was going to get the opportunity to test at, at Barber at a later date. Um, and possibly even the Daytona 200 would be his first outing with the team, which might not be the best thing for him, but I don't think he's, he's scared of anything and I'm sure he could jump right in and be fine, but it would be nice to see him get a test and, and get comfortable. But I, I don't know if that's a done deal that he's going to race for, for team hammer or not, but um, it sure looks like that could be a, a good opportunity for him. I think he's good. And yeah, I, he's really definitely, good. he's, he's a focused kid. Uh, he seems, you know, he seems a lot older than, than what he is when you, when you, when you watch him work the way he goes about his business and, 
and is is you know i think we we saw his press conferences from the very beginning he was pretty shy and yeah. then that he evolved as the season went on as most of those kids do when they get more comfortable with with dealing with the with the press conferences and things like that but yeah i think he could he you know who knows he could be the kind of kid that jumps right on a 600 and and races at the front you know what i wanted to mention before i forget in in looking at chas davies announcement he he really he just he really only um, retired from world superbike racing. Correct. He left a big, big old fat window open. Oh um, yeah. And uh, he, he'd definitely be fun to have in, in Moto America. I know he likes, I know he likes racing here and we had him in the AMA series before uh, and he had success and yeah, he'd be kind of fun to have back in the paddock. So that might be something for people to keep their eyes open for because Again, he didn't close the book on his racing career. He just kind of closed it on the world superbike portion. Yeah, and I know for a fact that he was he was in the in consideration last year for I know I know Yamaha had considered talking to him last year, and it turned out he you know he wasn't ready to leave world superbike. But you're absolutely right. It was interesting that he made a point that he didn't retire, and he, he even I liked it that he even mentioned when he raced in AMA. He mentioned that as as part of what he's done, and um, you know he's got a lot of friends in this country. I. I think of him as being an AMA rider just because of, you know, what he did in our series with uh, Celtic racing and Barry Gilson and all that. And it would be so cool to have him back involved again. I, I don't know if that's the plan, but we would, we would certainly welcome it. And he's, he's, he's another terrific guy too. So I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned Chaz. Um, uh, Tyler, just to go back to Tyler Scott for a minute, I didn't know a lot about him and I actually spent some time talking to, uh, Ben Glady about him, who is, you know, he was Ben Glady's arch rival this year, obviously. And I didn't know that Ben has been racing against him for years and years. Apparently they know each other really well, but Tyler hadn't been racing in our series. And it's just interesting. He comes in, you know, and in that first year just does what he does and, you know, may move right through that. Like you said, it possibly into super sport, but you know, Ben, Ben, I think he was frustrated by his season. He had an injury towards the end where he couldn't quite, you know, go a hundred percent against Tyler, but um, you know, Ben, Ben, I don't know if he's going to move up or not either. I'm not really sure, but uh, it, he's, he's a good rider too. Junior cup always has talented guys coming up through. I mean, Gus Rodeo is, is terrific. Cole stat. There's a lot of those, those kids that are, are really excellent. And it just continues to show that we're uh, we're cultivating stars for sure and and guys that are going to continue to go through our series or or elsewhere or whatever they may do um and uh you know one of them is i know i'm the one that seems to be changing the gears here a little bit paul i hope you're okay with that but i want to talk about twins cup and caleb de a little, little bit because you know caleb's been racing for a long time i mean he raced back in the ama pro days super sport and various things but he came into his own this year in twins cup and with that that aprilia and he he had quite an amazing year and he's a real close friend of garrett gerloff's too so it was nice nice to see him do what he did this year yeah i think you know from from my standpoint this year the twins cup was the most interesting i think it's it's evolved to a class that you you know, if before it was, maybe it was a race that you, you know, you didn't pay much attention to if you were a fan or, or what have you, I think now it's turned into one of the best races of the weekend. And, you know, it's also a race where, you know, there's five, six, seven guys that could actually win races. So 
that's what keeps it exciting. And, and it's kind of cool. The bikes are very cool. They look really good. Uh, I think it's a solid class. And I think, you know, it's one of those classes in the beginning, we were like, whoa, you know, is this the right thing to be doing? Because, you know, there was a time when we had very few entries and now look at it. It's, it's packed with, uh, it's packed with a lot of entries and, and, and 90% of them are quality entries. So it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, it's a pretty cool class now. And it's, it's, it's grown to be very popular. Yeah. And you know that with the influx, not only of the Aprilia RS660, but later on in the year, how Yamaha introduced the, that R7 and, you know, it's definitely more of a proper race bike than the, the MT07 FC07 was And Jackson Blackman and Hayden uh, Schultz got involved in it. How, how about, how about Hayden Schultz, Paul? So it surprised me that he ended up, uh, what was he? He was second in the championship. Yeah. Surprised- quietly. Right. Yeah. I mean, he started out on Aprilia in the beginning of the year and, you know, it just goes to show you, if you just keep plugging away, he didn't have a lot of wins this year. He's switching brands and the whole bit. And there he ends up being second in the championship. So that was good on him. And I I think he's going to continue with that R7 program next year, but that's, that's an example of if you just stay in the points at the end of the year, you know, it's, it, it makes it, it adds up and makes a difference. So uh, all all uh, power to him as well as, you know, Caleb. And, um, oh, I want to say something about Tommaso uh, Marcone, who was the test writer. It was the test writer from Aprilia that you mentioned earlier in the podcast. I don't know if you saw this, but one of the funniest things I saw either all over the weekend or after the weekend is they presented him with a coonskin cap. Did you see any of that? I did not. <laughs> so, so Paul, I'm going to ask you, where do you think they got the coonskin cap? The freaking world's largest gas station across the street, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. <What? laughs> There's a whole section of Bucky's where you can get a cork pop gun and a coonskin oh, cap and be truly American. And they put one on Tommaso and he absolutely loved it. So that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because... I mean, I'd never been in one of those. I'd never even heard of them. And then everyone's telling me like, oh man, you got to go. We went one day for breakfast and I, 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 I don't know what to make of it, to be honest, but <laughs> that Italian boy, he was probably like, oh my God, this is America. Because in the eyes of a lot of people around the world that haven't been here, that would symbolize America to them, that store. Um, That's right. The size of it, the you know, a hundred something gas pumps or whatever they had. And the fact that you can buy like an egg sandwich or a coonskin hat in the same place is, uh, uh, that just doesn't happen <laughs> anywhere else. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> let alone, let alone the kid didn't even know how to wear it. Like, does he wear it with the tail on the front, the side or the back? He had no idea. So they were trying to help him put it on and uh, everything. Yeah. I, it was funny. Cool. That had yeah. been funny, but before we, we go and we probably should yeah. get out of here pretty quick. Yep. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I'd like to a special mention to Jake Lewis. Yes. He's, he's hasn't, you know, he started off in his career and he got a lot of opportunities and then he got hurt. And then, I, you know, Tony Elias took his job. I mean, it's just been up and down and, you know, his father passed away and he's a, he's a, he's, as you know, he's, he's one of the nicest guys in the paddock. And yeah. I think everybody pulls for him and for him to win that stock 1000 championship this year was like, I, I thought it was the best feel good story in the paddock. He, you know, he, he works at UPS, you know, he's unloading trucks at night and loading trucks and, 
trying to get to the races. And that Altus Motorsports ride was basically a lifeline for him. And he realized that he came in, you know, and I'm not saying anything about him that I wouldn't say to his face, but he came in way overweight, out of shape. He knew it. He got his feet wet and realized, you know what, I can, this, this can work for me. I can win this. I can win this money. I can win the Superbike Cup. I can take the Stock 1000 Championship. And he went back home and he put his head down and he worked and he started riding a lot more and he started running. I think he said he lost like 40 pounds and you could see his face, everything changed about him. And he was the class of that, that, that field and ended up with the championship. And, and I don't know where it's going to lead him to at this point, but every time I watch him race a motorcycle, I'm impressed. I think he's a, he's a very natural, very gifted, talented kid. And, you know, he comes from Owensboro, Kentucky, or at least that area. So he's, he's been with those guys, the Haydens, and he's ridden motorcycles a lot with them. And I think a lot of the stuff that they, they know has rubbed off on him. And I just, it, I just thought it was a great, a great story. And, and, and I could tell at the banquet that everybody was, everybody was pulling for him and everybody was proud of what he was able to accomplish. I thought that was a, that was a cool thing that happened this year that, you know, I, I wish that, I hope that he gets to come back next year and, and either race the same bike in the same class or, you know, get an opportunity to do something different, but it was good to see. Yeah, for sure. That was a great moment, not only for the season, but the great moment for that, uh, the banquet. And as you said, I mean, one of the things that's so cool about Jake is he took a lot of crap from a lot of people about the fact that they're in the off season. He softened up a little bit, but he didn't have any problem with it at all. He just laughed along with it. And even after the, you know, he, he got pretty emotional during his speech, rightfully so. And I know afterwards I gave him a big hug and I said, I said, Hey, you, you got a little choked up there for a minute. And he even kind of joked about that. I mean, he's so kind of self-deprecating and it just makes, makes you really love the kids so much because he, he, you know, he doesn't get bent out of shape. He, he just bears down and does what he has to do. And, you know, and he's got such a fire burning there. Some of these riders that have this demeanor that you don't think they care or they, they really focus Boy, they do. Some you have to kind of look deeply in, into them sometimes to see it, and it certainly comes out on on the racetrack. But it's incredible some of the personalities we have in our paddock and and where they kind of get their competitiveness and you know where it where it comes from. And you wouldn't know it by just seeing them walking around a lot of times. And, and Jake is certainly one of those, and and we wish him absolutely nothing but the best going forward. So anyway, well, so Mister Vice, it's yeah, it's been but, fun. Uh, obviously we we've never missed a podcast never ever, since nope. we started which i'm pretty proud of and uh too. we will continue in the off season and we'll get back to having guests on here and and picking their brain and putting the pieces together and starting to look forward to the the coming season and when we have information that we can tell our fans that's that's stuff that's going on for next year we'll be we'll be the first to tell them and It'll, uh, it'll be a good off season. I know we're going to put our heads down and continue to promote Moto America and make it the best series that it can possibly be. And, you know, I've been here since day one with this and yep. I've seen it grow from 2015 to what we have now. And it's, I, I just, sometimes you got to take a step back and look at it. And it, I think we've, it, it's been amazing. And, and I think we'll continue to amaze people and move forward. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for the off season, obviously we get, get a little bit of a break here and there, but, uh, We'll be in full attack mode. Absolutely. Can't wait for the next season and onward and upward. Thanks, Paul.
All right. You take care of yourself. All right. You too.